Um, are you warmed up? Are you feeling good? So it's like a long weekend, so like half the church is off camping and stuff like that. Uh, the cool people are still here, um, so thanks for coming. Uh, but, you know, let's honor, honor each other. Let's do our ritual of uh, faith declarations and exhortations. I want you to look to the people next to you, look them in the eye and say, it's good that you're here. But, but, but you have to convince them, all right? You have to actually convince them. Go ahead, break the barriers, be socially awkward. It's good that you're here. It's good that you're here. Say, I, I see you there. I see you. I see that you came this morning. Way to go. It's good that you're here. Is it, is it good that they're here? Is it good? How many of you are sitting next to one of those shady people? You're like, I'm not so sure it's good if you're here. Just raise your hand, right? Yeah. Good that you're, it's good that you're here. And in the front row, no less. Um, here's your warm-up question uh, for the morning. You know, I've been having lots of these uh, uh, frontier con- uh, conversations, I call them. You know, conversations with people who don't necessarily have uh, much of a spiritual practice to them, certainly are, are, don't come to church and, and maybe don't believe uh, in God at all. But I love to have conversations with people like that. And I don't know if you're like me, but when you, when you raise the topic of spirituality or faith or or, you know, God forbid, religion. Um, one of the things I hear a lot is, well, I don't really do organized religion. I'm not really into organized religion so much. Do you hear that a lot? Everybody, so that, that phrase became popular in the late 60s and then through the 70s. That kind of became the slogan and so people repeat that now, I think, without even realizing why, right? But it's just the thing to say, right? Uh, and so being a real snarky, sarcastic person, you know, I like to move in my spiritual gifts. Um, so I've, I've, been, I've been responding, oh, what's so good about disorganized religion? And... It's, it's an interesting, provocative question. So I thought I would ask that question to you as your warm-up question today. Because if somebody said, here's, here's the cool thing. Here's how Christians today, the hip ones, like us, here's how we typically respond. Somebody says, well, I'm not really into disorganized religion. What do you say? Me neither, Me neither right? Because that's cool. And we're cool people. We're, but I think if we're going to say that, we have to... We have to be able to answer this question. What's so good about disorganized religion? What's so good about disorganized religion? All right, think about it. I'll give you eight seconds to be brilliant. Go. What's so good about disorganized religion? Andrew's already got one. What, what is it? What's so good about disorganized religion, Andrew? It's the way Jesus taught it. Un- what do you mean? Just... There's no structure, just do the good things. Don't follow some old book, follow some young guy, Jesus, because there was no new book yet. They, they were the new book. Just, just, just follow and try stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, sure. We can talk about that more. What, what's so good about disorganized religion? Yeah, Joe. 
I can't be wrong if standards are vague. All right, that's a great answer. Because that's kind of what people are saying, right? You know, when, when they say, I'm not really into organized religion. That's mean, that means like, and therefore don't judge me because nothing is right and nothing is wrong and life is cool. Um, right, all right, what else? What's so good about disorganized religion? June. The sky is the limit for growth, right? Like, there's no ceiling, right? Uh, and so you can pursue whatever you're pursuing as hard as you can. That's interesting. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, Steve. I can sleep in on Sunday. And for whom is that the number one advantage of no organized religion? Yeah, you can sleep in. You don't have to show up anywhere. And, and let's get real about it. You don't have to hang out with people who aren't cool. Don't stop looking around. Stop it. All right. What are other things in life? If we're going to answer this honestly, I think, what are other things in life uh, that you pursue that are better left disorganized? Albert? What? Government. We could play with semantics there a little bit. So I'm not sure that big government is organized government. I know where you're headed with this, Albert. Sonia says, taxes are better left disorganized. And now you know how our household runs. What else is better? A pursuit that's better left disorganized. Anyone? Relationships are better left disorganized. Ooh. All right. Sure. Sure. A lot of married people are glaring at me right now. Maybe. Disorganized, yeah. Yeah, Lauren? Road trips are better left disorganized. I, I, might, I might accept that one. Of course, it depends. You have to have no place to go, you know, or no schedule. But then it's, then it's really, really fun, right? Yeah, I think vacations are better left disorganized. Uh, I married the wrong woman. But... Um, <laughs> But that's my idea of a vacation. It's like you're just kind of traveling along. You don't have to be anywhere at any particular time, and that's lovely. Uh, and a universal truth, no matter what your spouse might say. In Jesus' name. Um, when, when you ask the question like that, you know, when you ask the obvious question, it's like, oh, you know, I, I don't like organized religion. Oh, so you like disorganized religion. You like to be disorganized in your spiritual pursuits then. When you ask it like that, it's like, oh, now I have to think. <laughs> now I have to analyze. Or when you think about, well, what's a pursuit in life that really works best if it's entirely disorganized? Like, oh, well, actually, you know, almost everything... Uh, in which you progress in life has some structure to it, has some organization to it, you know, and your challenge is mostly to keep it organized, right? And that takes effort and that takes work, but we do it or we try to do it because we realize that that's, that's where the progress lies in life. Organization is kind of a good thing, you know, and it's, I need to get my life organized. How many of you have said that? How many of you say it weekly? You, you say, Jordan, you need to get your life organized. That's not what I'm asking, though. <laughs> um, 
so what do people mean then when they say, well, I don't like organized religion, and I think, you know, this Joe's answer was hitting on it. It's more like, well, they, they don't want, they don't want measures, right? They don't, they don't want judgment. Um, I think at best they're saying that maybe some things in life should be private, right? That it's important to have a private life, and so I really want to have answers that are meaningful to me as opposed to answers pushed on me. Okay, that can be a little bit good, but I think people use that phrase, oh, I just don't like organized religion because, because it's a go-to phrase and, and I don't think it makes uh, much sense. Even like, oh, I, I just think some things should be private. Think about pursuits in your life in which pursuits in life do you progress best when you are entirely isolated and alone in them? None. None, right? Because no matter what, if you have an exercise regimen, you're trying to get in shape. New Year's resolutions are coming, people. Um, then one of the things you can do is kind of put structure to it and then put fellowship to it. Maybe you join a gym, maybe you get a trainer, maybe you have a marathon training group and stuff like that. It's just... It's just the way that things work, Being, uh, having the influence of other positive people and having some organization and structure and routine, as Kwok was saying uh, earlier, um, really helps us to progress in life. And if you want to progress in anything, you need some organization and you need some people, uh, which brings us to church. And whether or not it's really good that the person you spoke to earlier is here. Right? If it's really good that they're here, if it's really good that you see them, are you really convinced of that? Um, we're doing this sermon series on evangelism and just kind of spreading the kingdom and inviting people into this good spiritual life and this godly pursuit that we're all a part of. Um, and how do you do that effectively? And, and you know, what's, what's the best way to be salt and light in, in the world? And a lot of times what we do, and we're having conversations with people who don't have a spiritual practice, who don't have a church, or maybe exploring belief in God, is that we invite them to church, don't we? Which is to say, we invite them into an organization. Is that sinful? <laughs> it's not cool. Uh, but is it the right thing to do? And are you convinced of why and how and what you're offering and as a leader of a church, I have to ask myself that all the time. Uh, a lot of you know my, uh, my personal story. I, I was a, a believer from a very young age, age th you know, three or so, because I had some Christian babysitters. My family wasn't a believing family, but these babysitters, very, very cool people, took me to church, and all the grandmas of the church sort of adopted me. I was in a rough situation as a kid, and they ultimately, you know, just, if you don't know the story, don't worry about it, but they ultimately ended up hiding me from the cops and abating my family's escape from the police and stuff like that, long story. But then uh, my family moved around the country a lot and, and wherever we went, well, what happened is that I, as a little kid, would invariably meet some churched Christians who would like involve me in a Sunday school or something like that. So I didn't get a lot of consistent church in my life. I didn't get a lot of consistent organized religion, but I got hits. You know, I got a little bit here, I got a little bit there. I was always the new kid, I was always the strange kid, but I, I got little exposure to church families, to church organization. And so I describe myself as, well, I, I was raised wild, you know. I would like come into civilization every once in a while and then I would go back out to the margins and that's kind of how I, I grew up and how my faith developed. 
um, <clears throat> which you might say was not as good as it could have been, right? It's not as good as being plugged into a steady faith community, a church, Ohana, people that love you and know you. That's how it's supposed to work, right? And I did not have that until well into college, my college years. Yet, if I reflect on my story, it's very clear to me that the bits of church that I got were absolutely life-changing and, and life-saving. And so I wrote down this phrase this week as I was thinking about it. Even church when it's bad is pretty good. Do you think that's true? Because it's not cool to say that because you talk to people all the time who have had bad church experiences. And, I, and, you know, church can go bad, you know. I mean, not you, but some people have pastors that are really not cool and they're very, you know, dictatorial and know-it-all and stuff like that, which is not me at all. And if you disagree with that, you can just find a new church. Um, it's tempting even for me to share my life story as like, well, you know, my church life was dysfunctional, but it was really formative nonetheless. You know, and this idea of like, you know, gathering into church communities has really been a hallmark of the Jesus movement for over 2,000 years. I mean, it's really extraordinary what we're doing here. It's truly extraordinary. There is nothing else like this on the planet. And every once in a while, the kingdom renews itself and gathers more people. We call them revivals or renewals. And the church is just this organized, disorganized organism. It's biological, it's not mechanical. I and mean, we could talk a lot about church history and what it's done. Uh, I think the proper question is not, is church fellowship, is organized religion good? It's like, how best do you organize spiritual fellowship? I think that's really the only viable question. Church is often not as good as it could be, but even when it's bad, it's pretty good. And the stats bear this out. Every once in a while, I, I look up the stats on this because there are lots of studies done to it. It's been a while since I've shared stuff like this. But do you know that attending church regularly significantly increases your lifespan? Some people say up to seven years, which is the same increase that being a vegetarian gives you. <laughs> so if you're a vegetarian and you go to church, that's like 14 years of extra lifespan right there, uh, which uh, is cool. Uh, I would live forever were it not for the stress of you people in my life. Um, uh, but uh, in every study ever done, regular church attendance increases lifespan for both men and women, and it reduces incidence of all major health problems uh, across the board uh, for reasons that are hard for people uh, to, to define uh, exactly. Um, Researchers, uh, uh, in uh, a recent study, I think it was done in Canada, researchers uh, suggested that the reason that the lifespan increase happens is because uh, you get stable and vibrant social groups. You, know, you just have more people involved in your life and social support is good. Um, so researchers thought of that, that the effect was simply due to having strong supportive relationships, but non-church-centered groups didn't experience the same effect. So if you have a social group that's built around some affinity or a political interest or an ethnic interest or something like that, they don't have the same effect. Only church groups have the life-increasing effect on people. 
which is, which is interesting. It reduces incidence of depression and related life-threatening conditions by, by about one-fourth, uh, so over 22%, uh, just by going to church once a month you decrease your chance for being depressed by 22%. And if you go to church four times a month or something like that, then you're off the charts. And again, they suspected that this effect was due to supportive relationships, just having people in your life. However, the research showed that um, the effect only congregates around church services and not other social groupings. So there's something about going to Christian churches in particular. If uh, young people, uh, kids and youth, attend church regularly, uh, they get higher grades and higher readings and higher scores in both math and reading on standardized test just by going to church and not doing your homework on Sunday. Uh, your grades and your SAT scores go up just because you're sitting here. Ariel, AJ, way to go, way to go. Right now you're studying. And uh, your chances of, of uh, getting into good schools has, has, has gone up just because you listened to Uncle Jordan talk. Uh, so that's cool. Um, people who attend church have better ability to manage their time and achieve their goals in life, according to a study done that was way back in the 80s. Um, and church attendance has a direct effect on reducing uh, uh, life-wasting deviant behaviors like drug use, violence, delinquency, truancy from school, all of that stuff goes down uh, just because families attend church. And here's one I didn't know, but this was a recent study done at the University of Chicago, one of my alma maters, uh, in a super comprehensive study on the subject. They found, uh, as did studies in, uh, uh, done by Stanford in the 40s and other studies done in the 70s, that uh, women who regularly attend church services report a much higher rate of sexual satisfaction in their marriages. You don't know how to take that, do you? <laughs> yeah, but uh, ladies, you wonder why my wife is always smiling. <laughs> She's married to a pastor. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so on to the Bible. Let's go, on. Let's go on to the Bible. I'm like several good points this sermon. <clears throat> That's the only one you're going to remember. <laughs> a well-known uh, few verses from Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews is uh, toward the end of the book, end of the section of the Bible that we associate with the epistles, which were letters that were written by uh, some of the church fathers to the church at large. People think that perhaps Paul wrote the letter of Hebrews, although probably not. Some people think it was written by one of his protégés named Priscilla, which would be cool. It would be a woman who wrote the book. Um, but it's a letter to Christians who grew up Jewish, more or less. So it's called the letter uh, to Hebrews because it has a lot of themes uh, about um, the Old Testament and how you sort of reinterpret things and think about Jesus and his movement in light of Old Testament teachings. Uh, in uh, Hebrews 10, the author is talking about things to do to make sure you get through this life well, particularly when things are going rough. 
particularly when it's been uh, a rough season. And chapter 10, verse 23 uh, goes like this. The scripture will be up on the big board behind me or you can follow along. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Stick to your guns. For he who promised is faithful. Even when things are rough, remember that God is faithful to us. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching, which is to say all the more as time goes by, as, as you have less and less time in your life, in your lifetime, spur one another on and encourage one another as you see the debate day approaching. Do not forsake the assembly, was how the King James say it. And that's a very common uh, verse for Christians to quote. Don't forsake gathering together. Make sure that you have organization <laughs> in your religion. Make sure that you have church in your life, in other words. I think this is a super timely passage. I've probably thought about it about 2,000 times over the last three years as COVID just kind of like made gathering illegal for a while, right? And then we had all of these other cultural things, all these political explosions, all these racial injustice explosions and stuff like that, and people have just been torn apart. And I felt like standing up on, uh, on boxes and just saying, don't forsake the assembly. I mean, like, you gotta come together, you gotta stick through this, otherwise, well, otherwise what happens? And otherwise, your spirituality becomes disorganized, your pursuit becomes disorganized, your life becomes disorganized, and what, what is the effect of that going to be? And the stats are still rolling in, but they show that, that um, over half of churches in America lost half their population over the last three years as culture just totally took them out, which is what I think it is. Culture has disorganized people's lives uh, their religion, and, and there's a lot of pressure during this day and age as well, uh, a lot of which made the pressures that we just went through look pedestrian by comparison. Uh, these guys were living in very tough situations, a lot of them, so there's a timely passage for us. You know what's important? Gathering together is important. It's good that you're here. It's good that you're here. It's super important because it helps you build hope, right? Hold fast to the hope because God is faithful in what he has promised. And when we get together, we remember, oh yeah, it's worth being hopeful. It's worth being hopeful. It is true. And one of the ways I, I know it is because all of you believe it with me, right? And that validates what I'm going through in my fight for hope. Uh, spur one another on to do good works, to do works of love and works of truth. That's super helpful, because if I didn't have you in my life, I probably wouldn't get as many good things done. And getting good things done in a chaotic world is incredibly challenging. Getting good things done in a chaotic world that is angled against you, that is judging you and telling you that you're trash and your faith is trash or you're oppressive or whatever the heck the accusation might be, that's hard work, right? And so we need to spur one another on in doing good works of love and truth. Super important and encourage one another, especially as you see the day approaching. That word that gets translated encourage by the NIV is translated exhort, or cheer one another on in, uh, in other translations. In Greek, it's parakaleo, which uh, 
literally means, probably most literally, I mean, I've got some seminarians here, they could tell me, but it's like to call out, right? It's kind of to identify and to call someone out. It means looking somebody in the face and say, it's good that you're here. I know what you're about. You know, it's that sort of attitude. It's like, this is who we are and this is what we do. And to help one another uh, that way, all of that stuff is so incredibly valuable, you know, because church helps you feel strong, it moves you to do important things, keeps you from being lazy, it gives you routine and momentum and progress. It's nice to have a tribe of try. And that's what Blue Water is more than anything else. We're a tribe of try. And if you drop out of the, if you drop out of the Peloton and you're a bike racer, then you fall behind, right? You have to go in the group and everyone else blocks the wind for you and helps you go faster. That's basically what the idea is. And it helps you not to waste your years how many people out there just feel like three years of their life was wasted? It just, they just vanished, you know? And if you went to church regularly throughout, whatever that meant, we couldn't even meet for most of the time, um, you did better, and the stats bear that out for you. What's ironic is that when believers skip out of church and when their church attendance is spotty, they usually do it to save time right? Because they don't have enough time to do church and rest, or to do church and homework, or to do church and family, whatever. I mean, because there are some, those are good things, right? Rest, homework, family, good things. But the stats show that if you go to church, your family does way better. And if you go to church, your grades and your test scores are way better, right, and et cetera, et cetera, that church actually helps because organized faith actually is better than disorganized. <gasps> Who knew? Well, everybody, if they'd stop to think about it. So it's good that you're here. Turn to someone else again and say, oh my gosh, it is good that you're here. It actually is good that you're here. And this is why I'm talking about this today, you know, in, in, a, in a sermon series on evangelism and being salt and light in the world. It's because if I'm going to invite somebody to church, I want to know what I'm offering. And what I'm offering with organized religion is priceless. I mean, like, every bit of data bears me out on this. This is a great place. One of the great things that we have going for us as salt and light is our own testimonies, right? It's like, come and experience this because my story says that it's awesome and true, and I want to, I want to share it with you. It's like finding a really good product that you, you want to share, a recommendation that you want to make, seeing a really good movie like The Wind and the Reckoning, right? You want to tell people about it. Uh, and uh, extended a week at Ward. Maybe we'll be shown in the West Side theaters. Good stuff happening there for those of you who are part of that event last week. Right, you want to share this stuff. As good as that movie is, this is better. You know, organized religion is awesome, people. I mean, it's awesome. And I just want to stand up straight and say it. No, this is awesome. Uh, next week, we'll talk a little bit about your personal testimony with Jesus and how awesome it is to share that. But 
this week, I just wanted to start with church testimony. I actually asked my Ohana group on Wednesday night we meet, it's like, well, why, why would you recommend our church to somebody? And then we just talked for, I don't know, like an hour about it. And everybody had different stories to share. Um, almost nobody from my Ohana group is at this service. Maybe they'll come next service. Erica's here. She's a little bit busy. What did you share? Did you remember? You did. I like that about you. I mean, not in the middle of my sermon, but normally I like it that when you talk about I think the first things were community and authenticity and art. Art is fantastic. You know, I love it about my church is that people just sort of paint as the spirit leads. And dance. And dance, yeah. I remember Those you mentioned art things. and dance. You Probably not into, the most thoughtful things. Just you walked into church for the first time. Uh, we're not church at the time, and you saw art, and you saw dancing, and you said, I... There's something interesting about this place. It was free. Yeah. Um, maybe my favorite testimony was one of one of the ladies in the Ohana group simply said, "If I was selling my church, I'd say come to church. Come to my church. It's changed my life." Which was a wonderful testimony that sort of fused the organization and the personal testimony as well. But you have to know what you're offering when you invite somebody into the gathering. And you have to be sold on it yourself. And if you need to think that through, I would encourage you to think it through. Right? If you need to be intentional and aware and grounded in this, I just invite you to take this week and to, and to do it. Because what we're doing here has changed the world. And will change any life that gets involved with it. I can say that as a pastor, I can say it as a believer, as a minister, and I can say it as a social scientist, which is what my PhD was actually in. There is nothing quite tr as transformative as coming and sitting in a church on Sunday. <laughs> it makes you live longer, makes your grades higher, makes your relationships better. Incidentally, uh, there are plenty of studies done on uh, what makes a person grow spiritually, and there are two things. Number one, Christian friendships, the greater the number of Christian friends in your life, the faster you grow spiritually, uh, the, the more likely you are to report spiritual growth in your life. And the second thing is you have a weekly ministry involvement. Those are the two huge factors for spiritual growth. So if you find a way to like serve in a church or just serve homeless feeding or in an Ohana group weekly, uh, some sort of ministry, a weekly service that you do in Jesus' name, that accelerates great to growth. Those two things. Number of Christian friends, the greater number of Christian friends you have, and a, a weekly ministry involvement. And nothing can stop you. Isn't that awesome? And I think Blue Water kind of knows that. Uh, I think we've been practicing it. Why is your church a good place to invite people? Figure it out. Oh, we have an answer. Yeah, yeah, it was social, inst we're an institution. I like that word. You know what institution means? It's an organization that's made regular and known. And it's affiliated with the family unit and it's like a Sort of like an institutionalized sort of family, which sounds really not cool, <laughs> but is really, really cool. As it turns out, as it turns out, it's fantastic for anyone. Uh, and, and certainly uh, Christians. The power of testimony is awesome. When you gather people into the kingdom, you gather people into a gathering. 
Does that make sense? It's sort of a self-evident thing to say. But when you gather them into the kingdom, you're supposed to gather them into a gathering. And this is a gathering that you've all chosen to be affiliated with uh, to some degree. I've never known anyone to grow spiritually in a consistent way unless they were plugged into a church, period. I've been walking with God for 50 years, and I've never seen that principle not be true. Um, So there you go. I want to do an exercise to kind of end our time together. And then if there's anybody on the prophetic team here, I'll invite you up. Joanne has one uh, and prophesy over the crowd uh, a second. Um, So you guys can be listening. But let's just do this exercise to end. Uh, Envision someone in your life who doesn't have a spiritual practice, not an active spiritual practice anyway, someone who perhaps doesn't have a church or maybe not even any church background. Envision someone in your life and ask yourself, what might they get out of coming to Blue Water? What might they get out of it? What exactly could we offer them? Think about it for eight seconds. And the virtue of that exercise is that you don't have to be trite. You don't have to say, oh, you know, come to church because it's church, right? I mean, there are really specific good things, you know, that you can offer, and maybe the Lord will lead you through that. But this is another way that we can be soft and light in the world, is just to gather into the gathering and to use the people well, right? Because you don't have to do it alone. You just have to gather them into your your ohana, your faith ohana. And we have a powerful and transformative ohana. Almost any church is powerful and transformative. Almost any church experience, even if you get it fitfully here and there throughout your life, is transformative. This church is super transformative. It's super awesome. And I am 100% confident of that. I hope you are as well. All right, everybody stand for dismissal. And if I could have the prayer ministry team come forward, please. These are people that are just making themselves available to pray for you. They've dedicated a large portion of their lives to spiritual ministry so that if you've come today with a need for healing in your body or a little prophetic word for guidance or some breakthrough or provision in your life, let them pray for you before you go. Don't leave the building without giving the Holy Spirit a shot at doing something cool for you. Father God, I pray that you would change us all at least a little bit before we go. I pray that you would impart to us. Indeed, I bless you, brothers and sisters, with the confidence and your membership in the organization of Jesus that has revolutionized the world and will continue to revolutionize the world as the day approaches. You are strong. It is good that you are here. And it is good that you are bringing others. In Jesus' name, amen.